On today's podcast, we have Caroline Bowen. She is from Sweet Khakis. She makes the best apple pie that I've ever tasted. It is amazing. Join me today as we celebrate khaki. Such a good storyteller. And your voice is like melted butter on a biscuit. And You're so I- sweet. You're so sweet. When I hear myself talk, I just cringe. Like when I listen to myself on Angie's podcast, I had to keep turning it off. I'm like, oh my gosh, listen to the way I sound. So I'm glad you say that. You make me feel good. Oh, I just love it. No, girl, just be you. Milk it for all it's worth. Let that melted butter on that biscuit drip off. (laughs) It's, It's so good. It's so good. Okay, well, I am just excited to be with you today, and thank you. Thank you so much for wanting to have me on your podcast. I think it's it's exciting to be on a podcast, and I'm honored that you wanted me on it. And I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. Um, my name is Caroline Bowen, and I am originally from Darlington, South Carolina. That's my home. That's where my parents are still there. Currently, I live in Noonan, Georgia, and I think I've probably been in Noonan close to 23 years. It's a sweet little town, um, probably about 30 miles south of Atlanta. But my business name is Sweet Khakis, and my little business is almost three years old. And um, the way I got my my name is uh, Khaki is actually my nickname. When my little brother was learning how to talk as a child, he couldn't say Caroline. He would <laughs> call me. He'd say Kaka, and he would walk around the house Kaka Kaka Kaka. And Daddy shortened it to Khaki, and that's just been my nickname ever since. So that's so cute. I know. I love it. So all of my family calls me Khaki. All of my college friends call me Khaki, and my close, you know, high school friends and business friends call me khaki so actually you know i'll go by either one caroline or khaki i love that thank you but to understand i guess how sweet khaki started it's probably a good idea for you to give me for me to give you just a little bit of background on me so you'll understand how i decided to start sweet khakis yes so Growing up as a child at home, my mama always, always had good meals for my brothers and me and my daddy. I mean, she was just the best cook ever. And we always would eat around our old oak table in the corner of our family room. That was where we would have every meal. And around that table, not only did we have good food, but we told great stories You know, even bad stories, things that happened throughout our day. We pretty much solved all the world's problems around that old oak table. Mm -hmm. And it was home-cooked meal after home-cooked meal. And I think, you know, now I look back at those days and I realize that that was probably my mama's way of showing us how much she loved us through her home-cooked meals. I truly believe that food brings people together. And my mama, boy, she sure had a way with food. But I didn't. 
I didn't like anything at all related to the kitchen. I hated to cook. My job was always to set the table and fix the iced tea glasses. And I didn't even like doing that. I just kind of throw everything on the table and run. I was always scared mama was going to ask me to try to help her cook. And I, I just wanted nothing to do with the kitchen. And it made my mama so sad because she just, she wanted me to enjoy it like she enjoyed it. But I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't like anything at all about it. <laughs> and when um, I got my first real job out of college, it moved me to Atlanta. And I remember my mama, she was so worried that I was going to starve to death because she knew I couldn't cook a thing. And she, uh, she would say, oh, no, you know, what is she going to do? She's not going to be able to eat because my poor child can't cook. Well, when I moved to Atlanta, Atlanta scared me. You know, it was so big and so much traffic. I would just drive straight to work and drive straight home. It kind of scared this small town girl. Instead of going out in the big city, I stayed in my little apartment and I started um, practicing to, to cook some. Not anything big, you know, like baking a potato was a big deal in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> seriously I would call my mama every night asking her you know how do I cook this or how do I do that and she was so sweet she'd listen on the other end with a patient ear and she would help me and she never ever you know didn't answer the phone she always answered the phone and helped me and so I learned how to cook you know a few things here and there and um, later on while living in Atlanta I met my future husband and we got married and my mama gave me the most precious gift I have ever received in my entire life. It was a handwritten cookbook of all of our family favorite recipes that we shared around that old oak table. And she would even write down like, this was your favorite, or this is the lasagna I make for you for your birthday. She would put little notes in it. Or if it was not her recipe, she would write down you know, whose recipe it was and how she came about getting the recipe. I mean, it was just, it's priceless. It's literally the best gift I've ever been given. Oh. She, she even um, has, has in that cookbook a cutout drawing of the famous Easter bunny cake. You know, that, oh. you know what <laughs> cake I'm talking yes. about? Yes. So yes. I think <laughs> all of all of us had that as a child, the big yes. round, you know, bunny head with the bunny ears. And yes, the, the, the coconut and the coconut like on yes. top, look like it's fur. Yes. Every mother in the 80s and 90s probably made that. Yes. Well, my mama made it every single year and we could not wait to get it. So she put the recipe in that cookbook and I have the cutout. She would cut out the head, she'd cut out the ears and the bow tie. Then she'd write on the ears, this is where the coconut goes. This is where the you know, jelly bean goes. That, you know, she did everything because, you know, I, I was horrible in the kitchen. And I guess <laughs> her hope was that I would make that bunny cake one year. So I still have little, we call it the babbit cake. My little brother couldn't say rabbits. He called it babbit. So we all oh, called it the babbit cake. I have the babbit cake cutouts in my cookbook. And, um. Anyway, so I, that, that cookbook is a treasure, and it's probably, would not probably, it is the best gift I've ever received. So after getting married and having my first child, I started, you know, using the cookbook more, and my cooking improved just a little bit, and um, I kind of started enjoying cooking just a little bit, 
you know, it was always nice if I had made something and my husband really liked it and he'd ask for it again, or my son would say, oh, you know, mama, this is so good. Can we have this tonight? So that's, oh. you know, kind of making you feel good. Right. And one day we wanted to, a dessert. So I was flipping through the cookbook and the apple pie recipe was in that cookbook. Mm. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to make this. This sounds easy. So I would make it and it was not good. And I'd make it and bake it and do all kinds of things. And it was bad and bad and bad every time. <laughs> and it took me, you know, a long time to where I could finally make it where it was, you know, just okay. It's, still had I had a long way to go with that apple pie recipe it was not something they would ask for but I just for some reason I wanted to keep making it and for <laughs> some reason it was not that good every time it's just God <laughs> yeah 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 so you know I, I moved on and kept making other things but then in the year 2007 our family suffered a horrible tragedy and um that tragedy put me in just this horrible state of depression, this deep, 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 dark place, something that I had um, never experienced. I'd never experienced such sadness and such heartache. And there was not a thing that anyone could do to help me. I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't eat. I, I mean, it was just, it was a really bad spot. So for some reason, when I was staying up all night, I decided to start cooking. I don't know what possessed me to start cooking, but when I say I started cooking, I mean, I started cooking. <laughs> I would stay up like all night long and cook, you know, and I cook and I'd bake and it just, it, it kept my, it kept my mind busy. And my husband would wake up the next morning and I would have like, 10 or 12 apple pies on the countertop. Or, oh my gosh. Yes. That, not just that. I'd have like three or four pound cakes. I learned how to make these really yummy sausage muffins. I would have those all over the counter, five or six casseroles, huge pots of soup or spaghetti sauce. I like to make like big things, big pots of things. And I would just yes. cook, 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 cook. And he would say, oh my gosh, Caroline, you know, what, what, what are we going to do with all this food? And I'm like, we, we'll give it away. Take it to so-and-so or give it to so-and-so. Just, you know, just give it away. Cooking became like this therapy for me. It was, it was a way for me to like get my mind off my sadness. When I was cooking, instead of thinking about the tragedy, I would make myself concentrate on measurements or baking times or how could I change this recipe up a little bit to, to make it taste different. It just, it felt good to bake and not think about the sadness. And then when you give the food away to people, people would be so happy, you know, their, their bellies were full or they enjoyed it and they would, they would just love it. And for me to, to see or hear the joy in someone's eyes or, for them to tell me how much they love it, it just, it makes made, you feel good, right? Yeah, it made me feel so good. And um, I just thought, you know, I've got to keep this, this up because the more I cooked and the more people would enjoy it, the more my mind would, would think about doing things like that instead of my sadness. So soon, everywhere I would go, people would talk about my apple pie and everyone would say, oh my gosh, you should sell your pies. My family would say it. My friends would say it. It, it, everywhere I'd go and it was just um I loved it but I thought you know there's there's no way I can do that I would love to to sell my pies but you know I have a, a husband I have children 
um, active in a lot of different things in my community, not to mention the biggie is I had a full-time job and it was a sales job and I traveled a lot and it was a pretty demanding job. So there was no way I could, you know, sell my pies. It was a nice dream. It was a wish, but you know, it was just not possible. I just, you know, I had to do my, my duties of wife, mama job. So, you know, I couldn't do that. Then, um, Fast forward to Memorial Day weekend of 2019, I had a heart attack. And when I say heart attack, yeah, I mean, it was a heart attack. It was an almost die kind of heart attack, a lifelike heart attack. And it was just scary. And, you know, you, you, you don't expect something like that to happen to you. So I was, um, our family, every year Memorial Day, when the kids get out of school, we go to our family lake house. It's um, in, in the North Georgia mountains of Lake Raven. It's a small town. And um, we were there, just, just got there. It was the day after we got there. And we were all out on the boat, my two children, my husband, and my mother-in-law. And we had just had a great day. We were swimming, tubing, skiing, boating. Um, take, we would take these long boat rides. I made this great lunch that we ate down at the boat dock. And immediately after having lunch, my food felt like it was stuck in my chest. Not in my throat, but in my chest. It was just a really a weird feeling. And and it wasn't, wasn't too painful, but it was just uncomfortable. So I just kind of dealt with it all day long. Kept thinking, why is my food stuck in my chest? So I kept drinking a bunch of water, thinking that would help. It would, you know, go away. But it didn't. It just kind of happened all day long. And um, But we continued to boat and swim and tube and all that stuff. And we stayed out on the lake all day. Went up and I decided, you know, to cook supper. Still not feeling well. And um, all of a sudden, after cooking supper or during, I think it was probably during cooking supper, I had this horrible pain that went through my chest. It felt like someone was trying to push their foot, like, through my chest. It was just horrific. I couldn't move. All of a sudden, my body just became soaked my hair was soaking wet like I had just gotten out the shower and one of my hands the, my fingers became numb on one of my hands and I couldn't move and my son I think it was my son or my mother-in-law one of them immediately called 911 and the rest just felt like a like a nightmare all of a sudden you know it, everything was moving fast but to me inside my mind and my body it was like slow motion I could see people kind of scurrying around, waiting for the ambulance to get there, all, you know, around me thinking, you know, what's going to happen? And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I, I'm dying. I'm dying. I have this horrible pain. I can't move. I'm dying. I am a perfectly healthy 50-year-old woman, but yet here I am. I'm dying right before my children. It was, it was horrible. Um the ambulance got me and where we were in, in at Lake Raven, there's just a small little hospital there. So I was immediately taken there and thank goodness I had probably one of the smartest and the best emergency, emergency room doctors there that night that he quickly evaluated me, 
did an EKG on the right side of my heart and found out that I was actively having a heart attack. And he, um, he just moved very quickly and he knew exactly what to do. And I, I really think that that doctor saved my life that night. He took the actions needed to get me on the life flight to Gainesville, Georgia, where they could, you know, really take care of me because the hospital there at Lake Raven was not equipped to, to do what they needed to do to, to save me. Um, so my, my little, my son told me this later, he overheard the doctors communicating on the phone that night thinking, you know, I don't know that she can make this flight. You know, she's been actively having a heart attack for so long today. And how is she going to survive a 19 minute flight to Gainesville? But anyway, they did put me on that flight and, um, it was all, I think that's probably the most surreal moment of my life being on that flight. I knew I was on it, but I didn't know I was on it. I can remember the, the men on the, on the helicopter saying, you know, stay with us, Caroline, stay with us. And then all of a sudden I felt like I was just in clouds. I could see my two children, their, their heads were kind of like blown up balloons and I could see yeah. my son like just staring at me and smiling Aww. I could see my little girl with her big hair bow and her hair looking at me and then all of a sudden I thought dear lord I can't die there is no way in the world my husband can raise my children alone right I mean he'll I'm, never put he'll never put a bow on that baby's head again no, I can't, I can't no. die no, I just, I, right. That's exactly what I was thinking. I thought, you know, I can't, God, you know, save me. And then the next thing I know I'm in surgery and then I'm in recovery and I'm alive. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm alive. It's, it's not my time to go. And I just thought to myself, you know, God is not done with me. He's not done with me. There's something else I'm supposed to do in life because honest to goodness, I should have died that day, but I didn't. It was, um, it was a tough. <laughs> tough 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 moment it was did it feel did it feel like a very out-of-body experience when yes. it was happening it did the pain was was so so hard so so violent and so I just it would take your breath away but yet you couldn't move you couldn't react you were just paralyzed in the pain wow. And it did. It felt just like an out-of-body experience, especially on that, that helicopter, that life flight. I just, I didn't even know we had taken off on the helicopter um, at the time. You know, I remember them saying, this is going to be a rough ride. It's going to be a little rocky. And I remember thinking, well, get on with it. You know, you aren't, you aren't, all, you, you haven't even gotten in the air yet. But, you know, then, then there I was in, um, at the Gainesville Hospital. So, yeah, it was a, it was an outer body experience feeling for sure. And my recovery was really, really rough. You know, every heart attack patient has a different story and a different recovery. But mine was was tough. And when I say tough, the, I healed just fine. I went to cardiac rehab, which is so important for, for a heart attack patient to do. And I did all of that fine, but I just didn't have my energy. You know, I couldn't, it was, it was tough that my, I didn't have energy and I was so emotional. I mean, I've always been kind of an emotional person anyway, you know, I cry at the, the Hallmark com commercials and that kind of stuff, but this was a different kind of emotion. I, I cried just deep cries and just zero energy. In fact, 
I, my energy level was kind of like this. I can explain it. Um, when I would take a shower and you'd shampoo your hair and then you'd condition your hair, well, I would have to have a stool right outside the shower door and I'd shampoo my hair and then I have to get out and sit on the stool and rest a little bit before I could go back in the shower and put conditioner in my hair. That's how I had, I, I just had no, no energy. And I was not used to that. I have never been like a slow paced person. You know, women are strong. We're all strong. You know, we're workers. We, we're mamas. We have jobs. We get things done. So this business of having no energy was like incredibly depressing and difficult for me. And one day while I was sitting on that darn stool resting in between, you know, shampoo and conditioner, I just was overwhelmed with, with pity. I had felt sorry for myself yeah. and I just started crying, boohooing, like hysterical. I was all by myself and I just had a big old pity party and I prayed and I prayed and I cried out and I hollered to God. I begged God for energy. I was mad at him. Then I was grateful that he saved my life. It was like so emotional that moment. And I just cried out for strength. I said, you know, God, please please bring, bring my, bring me back. I want to be myself again. I want to wash dishes. I want to make the bed without having to take breaks. I don't want to, to be this person with no energy. And then in that moment, I started thinking of all the things that I had regrets about, you know, we all, if you think about it, you can sit there and name so many things that you wish you had done. And you didn't do or things you just put off or things you wouldn't use. Like for me, it was like, think about your fine china. Do you yes. Use, do you use it? You know, why, why do we save our fine china and our crystal? Why did we not use it? <laughs> Absolutely. Was, every right. day. Yes. Yeah. That, every day. Yes. Right. And then the other thing for me, I, I, I love, this is so silly. Side note, I love pretty pajamas. I have a gazillion pairs of pajamas. I just love pajamas. But I have nice pajamas and then I have some ratty looking pajamas and my nice pajamas, I saved. I would like wear them for Christmas or Thanksgiving or wear them if I was traveling on a trip. Yeah. Why? You know, why why (laughs) save your pretty pajamas or your expensive perfume? You know, you save your perfume and you just use it sparingly. You know, why do we do that? And then starting my pie business, that, that started coming in my mind. You know, why? Here I am. I almost died. Now I can't do anything but sit on a stool and cry. I feel sorry for myself. Why didn't I start my pie business? I had family members that would tell me to start it. You know, cousins that would say you should start it. Friends, you know, you know why, why, why did I save my pajamas? Why didn't I use my perfume? Why didn't I start my pie business? Well, that pie business was really one of my biggest regrets in that moment. And I begged and begged and prayed and pleaded with God to please give me my energy back. And I said, you know what, if it's your will, I'm going to start my pie business. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to have any more regrets. I know what it's like to almost die. And I am going to just do everything in the world that I want to do. And so close to that one year mark of my recovery and my finishing my cardiac rehab, I was talking on the phone to to one of my good friends and she said I sure wish I had one of your pies and I thought well you know I have probably 15 in the freezer 
I'll just just have my husband bring you one when he goes to town. And she's like, you know what? That's a deal. But let's go ahead and let me post about your your pie and say you started your business. Let's do that. And I thought, you know what? Let's do it. You're like, sure. Why not? Yeah. You know, (laughs) what, what, what can it hurt? You know? And so I did. She did. And I did. And that is the day that sweet khaki was born. Mm-hmm. I gave her a pie. She baked it. She posted about it on Facebook and Instagram. And sweet khaki started. And I never looked back. Instead, I praised God and I thanked God for his mercy on me. You know, he, he saved me. And I finally got my energy back. And so I immediately started selling pies right out of my home. I got um, what we call in Georgia a cottage license. That's That's so cute. It's called a cottage license? (laughs) Yes. That's how you can legally be a business out of your home. You you can um, sell goods to people, not to businesses, but individual people. So I started selling pies right off of my front porch. And it was just a hit. It was a real big hit from the very beginning. I had you know, 25 orders, and then it turned into 100, then it turned into 200, and then before you knew it, you know, I was baking pies like crazy, and I was so happy. I mean, I just had a smile on my face all the time because cooking and baking was what really started bringing me joy in my life, and baking the pies really made me happy to see how happy it was making other people. It was like a thrill, and it was It was such an honor. It was like I couldn't imagine people were paying money to me to give them something that made me happy doing. It was just, it was an odd feeling. Oh, it's so sweet to think of it like that. Right. You just, you can't imagine. I mean, I can't even put it into into words how incredible it makes me feel knowing that that you and, and others are serving their pie on their table to their family, to their friends. It's like my heart was just overflowing with joy and with thanksgiving. It was just, it was amazing. So after probably a year of of selling off of my front porch, I had different businesses call and they want to carry my pies. And I'm like, yes, I'd love to do that. But then I knew that required a different type of license and it also required that you be in a commercial kitchen. Well, I didn't have any of that, and I thought, well, I can get my license, but then I'd need a commercial kitchen. So all of that kind of took place looking for a commercial kitchen, and for me, the closest one was in Atlanta, and I knew that I couldn't do that. You know, Mm -hmm. I was still, you you have the family, I had the real job, and I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So I just kind of thought that would be nice, but I can't do it, and then all of a sudden, (laughs) I found out that there was this one and only, it still is the one and only commercial share kitchen opened in Noonan where I live in town. And I thought, oh my gosh. So she had a space and I rented it and got the license. So soon I I was able to start selling to businesses. And um, that was kind of a really neat thing to start selling in the retail market. So I stopped selling off the front porch and I started selling to retail businesses and I honestly, I grew out of that, that share kitchen pretty quick. Once you get, you know, a few retailers under your belt, they, they order in volume and you run, you, you, you leave, you run out of space really quick in a share kitchen. I so, bet. 
Was there other people in the kitchen at the same time with you? Was this a yeah. one operation? Like, were you doing everything yourself? Well, I would do everything myself, but there were other people that were doing the same thing I was doing. They had their own little business and they were in there in that commercial kitchen. So we had to share space and it was a great opportunity for me to get into the retail market in that share kitchen. But like I said, I quickly outgrew it. So my husband and I decided that I needed to build my own commercial kitchen. So we we live out in the country and we had this like utility building right beside our house. It was really my husband's building. That's where he stored all of our outdoor stuff and you know yeah. a, little, a little workshop, all that kind of stuff. Well, sure. He does not have a workshop anymore. We converted that into a commercial kitchen. It's cute. And it's and it, the cool thing about it is it was, it's my bright, sweet khaki red. It was already love it. that color. So it was just meant to be. Um, we built that kitchen. It's right beside my house. And I got my commercial license and for, for out here. And I quickly started my little sweet khaki business right beside my house. And um, it's just it, it's so exciting. I think we finished in right around July 4th is when, of this year is when we finished building it. And I was able to move out of the share kitchen and move everything into there. And it is just the most exciting thing that has happened to me. And um, I just, I still just pinch myself. I cannot believe it's my very own. I have my very own convection ovens, my very own prep tables, my very own commercial grade freezers and refrigerator. It's just Oh, it's the best feeling in the world. And I just would say, I can't believe, you know, God's blessing me in such an incredible way, but he truly is. It's all a God thing. God saved me for a reason. And I really, really think that sweet khakis is what my future was supposed to be. I just, it's a natural fit. It's a happy fit. It's a joyful fit. And I just love it. So that's, you know, how I got into my commercial kitchen. So sweet khakis, I'll tell you a little bit about my pie business itself. My apple pie is the business, it's the pie that I started my business with and it's year round. I have apple pie all year round. And then I have a few seasonal pies that come in and out during the season. In the spring, I make um, cherry pie and then in the summer, I offer a fresh peach and a fresh blueberry. Oh, yummy. Yes, those are very popular. And then, of course, in the fall, I have your traditional pumpkin pie, pecan pie. And this fall, I introduced a chocolate chest and a coconut custard. And those pies were very, very popular. And then I have a pie called Festive Fruit, which has coconut raisins and pecans in it. That's one of my favorite pies. Um the, the difference about uh, things that I do with my pies is my fruit pies, like the apple pie, the peach, blueberry, and cherry pies. I make those pies, and I don't bake them. I freeze them immediately. And I do that for a couple reasons. One, I personally don't like dough that's baked twice. So when you get one of those pies, it truly is a fresh pie. You bake it yourself. And when you bake it yourself, your whole house just smells so good. And yeah. you, you feel great. Like, you know, you've accomplished something. You've baked a pie. <laughs> yeah. Pie. And so it's, um, that's really the reasons why I don't bake them. 
And um, the other, the fall pies, of course, are baked and then frozen and you just thaw and serve. So those pies are kind of easier to um, just take out of the freezer. The other pies you can bake straight from the freezer. If you do that, it takes two hours to bake them or you can let them thaw overnight in your refrigerator and they'll just bake, you know, for an hour. But so what I do is I, I sell to retailers and my goal is just to continue to sell to retailers and to cover the Southeast. I am considered a small business, but I'm a growing little business each day. And I think I am, I have just been really blessed with wonderful, wonderful retailers. I like to sell to special places and most of my businesses, or I think all of my businesses are, are small family owned and operated businesses. And for me, it's, it's really important that I have my pies in special places. I don't, I don't care about volume. I don't, I just want, it's, it's about quantity, quality for me. Yes. I want a quality business. And I tell you what the businesses I have, I have, I've got the uh, hit the jackpot. I have just wonderful retailers. I know each one of the owners. I know their employees. You know, when I go in there to talk to them about pies, I take pies with them and I make sure all the employees have the opportunity to taste my pies, to eat them and to enjoy them. I want them to know what they taste like. It's important for me to know that, that the whole store knows about them because I can only be as successful if the stores love my pies and they know the story and they know about them and they can share their love with their customers. You know, you buy from people, you know, or you buy from people that know what things taste like. And that's always been important for me. And I feel very, very fortunate to have the retailers that I have, have on board now. Um, I'm excited to say that I am currently in Georgia several different towns in Georgia. I'm in a few towns in South Carolina and North Carolina and um, just recently in Mississippi. And I'm growing. I'm going to continue to grow, but I want to grow, you know, small steps, baby steps. And it's just been this whole sweet khakis business has been a process. It's been a learning experience and it's, it's just been fun. I mean, I have met the neatest people through pie. Who would have ever thought, you know, I would meet people through pie, but I have. And this is really the story of Sweet Khakis. It's, um, it's a, a nice story. It's a fun story. And honestly, I, I am so grateful for my second chance of life. And I'm so thankful that I get to do something, work. I get to work, do something that brings me joy and something that I love wholeheartedly and I truly truly love making these pies it brings me such joy such fulfillment and happiness and I'm just thankful for it and I'm thankful for you for allowing me to to share my pie story with you and all of your listeners well we're thankful for you because I've had that pie at the southern getaway and it is so daggum good and I thank you <laughs> I can't have a high quantity of sugar and food and liquid because I had gastric sleeve surgery I don't know how long ago 18 months ago ah. so, so I had 80% of my stomach removed so I can't ingest a lot and we were at a dinner 
And I just thought, oh my gosh, I have got to eat this. I've got to try it. And I couldn't, I couldn't physically eat that much, but what I had was so freaking good. <laughs> it was so good. It was so filling and it was rich and delicious. And I, I'm, I love to entertain and cook and host and when I'm going to eat something sweet, anybody that knows me knows if I'm going to have something sweet, it has to be from scratch. It has to be high quality. It has to be homemade. I will turn my nose up at things very quickly. And <laughs> your pie is amazing. It is so good. Thank you. Okay. So how do people get your pies? Like, how is that possible? So it's, um, it's possible through my retailers. So on my website, it's sweetkhakis.com. You can find a list of all of my retailers, where they are, where, you know, where they're located, and you can purchase a pie from them. If you are in a town where you think Sweet Khakis needs to be, just call me, email me, text me, whatever, and and tell me the name of the store, and I'll definitely call them and check them out, let them check me out, and see if we're the right fit. You know, I am growing, um, so I'm not not everywhere yet, but I'll I'll be in a lot of new places um, this this coming up year. So I would just say follow the website and and see where I where I'm located and where you can get a pie. Are you still a one woman operation? Are you still baking everything by yourself, yes. or do you have helpers? Well, I do have a helper or two. My, oh my gosh, you have got, you've got, I mean, you're like me. You want to have your hand in it. Like it well, needs to be your pie, but you're going to have to get helpers. Yeah. I'm going to have to probably hire some full-time people really soon. I do have a few helpers. For example, my husband, he's, <laughs> he's my packager. We call him the packager and shrink wrapper. He, um, I cannot shrink wrap a pie to save my life. I can't. I, we have a shrink wrap machine and. It seems so easy to use, but for me, it's not. I will pop it every time, and it'll take me like 20 minutes to wrap one pie. So that's my husband's job. He, he takes that very seriously. So he's my shrink wrapper, packager. Um, my daughter that's still home with us, uh, she helps me make pie boxes. So it's definitely a family thing, um, and I do have help, you know, with prepping and things like that, but you know, as I grow, I, of course, I'm going to have to hire some full-time helpers, but um, right now it's still a small family operation. I, okay. I, I love the big red barn, which is your, which is your studio, which is your baking center. It's your cook, it's your kitchen. And it is the perfect color red. Was the, the metal barn, did it come that way or did y'all choose the paint color? So it's funny. Years ago, we had some well, let me just back up. We live in an old family home that's been in my, my mother-in-law's family since 18, like 32. It's an old, old property. It's so and gorgeous. So gorgeous. You. It looks like the notebook, the big white house from the notebook. When I see your front porch, that's what it makes me think of. Well, it, it is a neat old house. It's a, it's not like a fancy house. It's an old farmhouse, and, and I love it. But it oh, beside the house were these old barns, and years ago, the barns sadly burned, and so my husband rebuilt, like, barn, and when he rebuilt it, he had it painted red like that color, 
because he knows that red's always been my favorite color. Red makes me happy. I mean, everything I have is red, basically. I probably should venture out and wear other colors, but red is my favorite. And so he had it painted that color. So that's what's so neat about me being there is he had already had it painted that bright red. You know, instead of doing barn red, you know, barn red's very different than the bright red that's that's here now, but he painted it that bright red really for me because he knows how I love red. So we didn't change the color at all. It was already that color. We just had to gut the insides of it to make it, you know, a commercial kitchen. Oh, well, I, I love the red color. If you find out what it is, you have to tell me. I will. I know we have it written down somewhere, somewhere. And then the, that your house, because I talk about, we do this little thing with all the guests where I talk about the paint colors in your house. And I know the outside is white of your farmhouse. And I don't know if you know any of the paint colors on the inside. I know you like red and yellow. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know the names of the colors. Again, I'm sure I have them written down somewhere, but if it were up to me, probably every room would be red, but I know that that would make my house very dark. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have anything painted red on the inside. Most of um, like my kitchen and breakfast room area is a pretty uh, bright yellow. Yellow, I think, would be my second favorite color. And I think yellow makes me happy like red does. So I have a lot of yellows and blues in my house. Yeah, and you you have the perfect red lipstick, too, by the way. <laughs> what red lipstick do you use? Oh, gosh. I have a couple I like. I have one that you can, you know, get anywhere. Um, it's a L'Oreal, and um, it's called Romance. It's my favorite um, red that I wear a lot. But then there's a new red that I like, and, gosh, the name just escaped me of what it's called. Um I have to get back to you on that. I just recently in the last year started wearing it. Um, have you seen Cherries in the Snow by Revlon? It's like their classic red. It's one of the original reds. No, I'll have to look at that. I have a gazillion red lipsticks, but there's literally two that I wear the most. Um, but I, I do love red lipstick. I would wear red lipstick to bed if I could, but I don't want to mess up my pretty pillowcase. <laughs> Well, if you have red pillowcases, you would never know. <laughs> That's right. Maybe I should do that next. Get some red sheets. <laughs> You're like, I'm wearing red lipstick to bed my, in my red fancy pajamas. Well, right. I do that. Like, I wear my pretty pajamas now. I wear them all the time. And I also spray myself a good, healthy dose of my perfume, my expensive perfume. So I go to bed in pretty pajamas and I smell so nice. <laughs> You're like, I've never smelt and looked better. <laughs> Right. Oh my goodness. Okay. Can, can I ask you some questions about how you physically felt when yeah. you were going through that? Because I think it's a learning opportunity for others to know. Absolutely. So heart, heart disease in women is something that is people don't talk about that much. You usually hear about heart attacks with guys and you mentioning your heart attack. And I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not, but at the Southern getaway, my friend's my friend that I went with, her husband flew us out on his airplane and flew us back on that Monday. And he had a massive heart attack that Friday. Oh my so gosh. Like four or five days later, he had this massive heart attack. He was alone. He was at home. And kind of the same thing he said, like you, you know, he didn't feel well. He couldn't shake it. He had some pressure on his chest. He didn't really know, but it wasn't 
it wasn't out of this world yet. It was still manageable. But then all of a sudden when he was just dripping sweat, you know, it, it, and, and it felt like then it was like how you talked about, uh, somebody on your chest. Mm-hmm. Then he called for help. He called nine one one. They came and it's a small town too. The hospital's just down the street. So, you know, they, they took him there in big spring. And then as soon as he's there, there, they said, well, you need to care for you to Midland. Mm. So they had to do that. And that was when you were saying all the things about you being in the helicopter, you were by yourself, right? Uh huh. Cause they don't let a family member be no in there with you. There's Did no you, room. There's no room. I mean, I just, I can't imagine what you went through. Did you feel scared? I, at the moment and I, I was scared when it, when it's, first started like when when I we were still at the lake house I was scared because I I really I thought I was gonna die right there you know right then and there in front of my children on the helicopter ride it was it was weird it was just it really was like an outer body experience it's kind of like my body was there but I was standing above looking and mm-hmm. I was in clouds you know so I was I was searching I was searching for things searching for people and it, it was just a really, really weird feeling. But back to symptoms and things about heart attacks, you know, it's, they say, you know, with women, you're really tired. That's one of the symptoms. So I was really tired. In fact, I remember probably a week before the heart attack telling my mama over the phone one day how tired I was, but I didn't think anything about it. And mainly because it was the end of a school year. And you know how busy things are at the end of the school year yeah. with kids trying to finish different activities and concerts and dance recitals. And, and on top of that, I had just helped cook a big, uh, like feed a hundred people at church for a youth meal. Um, there were, just, and then lots of work things were due in May, I remember. So I was really tired. So when we went to the lake, I could not wait to get there and just relax because I was really tired. But personally, I would have never gone to the doctor because I was tired. You know, we're, right. we're, we're tired. Women are tired. We're worker bees. I mean, yes, I would have never gone to the doctor for that. And I personally did not have any other signs until it happened. I didn't have like, a neck pain or an arm pain or a back pain or jaw pain or any sharpness in my chest or any shortness of breath. I didn't have any of that. And I, I am one of those that goes to the doctor for my checkups and things like that. So I think when something like that happens and it happens all of a sudden, we need to listen to our body. Like a part of me wanted to just, after the ambulance got there and they they did the EKGs at the, at the house and it did not look like I was having a heart attack that, you know, they couldn't tell at the house. A part of me wanted to say, you know what, I, I'll be okay. I'll just go to bed and I'll be all right. I'll wake up in the morning. I'll be fine. But I didn't, I listened to my body and I moved forward with, with going to the, to the hospital. But had I not listened to my body and gone to bed that night, I would not be here today. So I would say, I guess, to to your listeners, if you don't have any of the signs and warnings to to listen to your body, if it does happen to you and act on it 
quickly. You know, time is of the essence when you're having a heart attack and um, you, you don't have a lot of time. You need to, to do something fast. Yeah. So, so what is our takeaway from this? Listen to your body. Listen, yeah. to, your, listen to the doctors too. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the main takeaway, especially with women, because we, we tolerate pain more than men. And, yeah. and I mean, and I'm not saying that to, to, to sound like women are better. I don't mean it that way. But generally speaking, women can tolerate a lot of pain. And we will just push that pain aside to move on to our next project or to cook the next meal or to, to get the kids ready for the, a trip or something. You know, we need to stop and, and think about it and listen to our bodies. We need to have our yearly checkups with not just your OBGYN checkups, but your physical appointments with your internal medicine doctor, your family practice doctor. We need to take care of ourselves. And um, so I think the main takeaway is to make sure you do have your yearly checkups and you, you do the blood work and you make sure your heart's okay and your rest of your body's okay. And then the other thing is, is to listen to your body. You know, my body was warning me that day and Thank goodness I listened. Well, I'm so glad that you listened because I got to eat your pie. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am too. I'm glad you but got to eat But what's funny is, is that you were going 90 to nothing and the Lord had to give you a heart attack to get you to slow down. And your prayer to him was, I want my energy back so I mm-hmm. can get going again. Mm-hmm. It, it was. How it long? Being put down. How long was your downtime, your recovery period, because my dad recently, well, a year ago, he had a double bypass. And so, um, I remember him having to go through the therapies, like you said, when you were talking about, what did you call it? It was heart therapy. Yeah. So it's cardiac rehab. Yes. That is what, you know, most all cardiologists will recommend if you've had a heart attack. And let me tell you about that. So when he sent me to cardiac rehab and I went, the first day I went, it was lots of um, elderly people there. I was the youngest person there and I was so mad that I was there. I was angry. I thought, you know what? I am 50 years old and here I am with these people that are lots older than I am. And I'm not knocking that. I don't mean it that way. I just, it, when you're in that position and you, you feel vulnerable, which I did, I thought, you know, I shouldn't be here. I am healthy. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. And so then when I started walking on the treadmill and they have, they have you hooked up to all these heart monitors while you're on the treadmill, I would start crying when the treadmill would go off. The monitor would go off and they'd say, slow down, Caroline. You can't walk that fast right now. You've got to take it easy. We have to work up to it. It would just infuriate me. And I would have tears running down my cheeks. Really? And yeah. Just, it, it made me feel like, you know, I was a loser, you know, here I am. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm supposed to be a healthy mama and I'm on a treadmill going snail's pace because I had a heart attack and you punish yourself. Like I feel I was mad at myself. I was mad at what did I do to myself to make me have a heart attack and almost die and not be here for my children. Oh, it was, it was, it was, a, an, a, a emotional, so emotional. And then I became such good friends with all of these older people in my cardiac rehab 
class that we started like going out for lunch afterwards or we would meet for coffee and we all shared our phone numbers and we talk and in fact a couple years ago before COVID I had them all over here at Christmas and we had a just a nice lunch together and they're just they they became a a, a another community yeah it's a different community a source of strength for me and just really great friendship so I ended up enjoying cardiac rehab and that's another thing I'd like to say to your listeners is is go to cardiac rehab if you do have a heart attack it's so important to to take those steps to build yourself back up again through trained professionals that run the cardiac rehab units. I mean, they are just precious, talented, caring people. And cardiac rehab really made a huge difference in my um, recovery. Yeah, it did with my dad too. And he still has a long road ahead of him. He's on the kidney transplant list. So. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. But, well, I mean, it is what it is. It's part of life. And He's been sick for a long time and it's just now gotten to this point. So, um, but he'll, he'll be okay. Everything, everything will work out as it's supposed to. I hope it does. I hope it does. Yes. So yeah, he's doing all the things and, um, they live closer to me now. And so that makes it special. So I can pop in and see them or bring them food or have little visits here and there where as they were a little further away before and, didn't do that. So do you have any advice for women besides, you know, go get all your annual checkups and things that you need? Is there any self-awareness about how you've heard about the symptoms or the symptoms that you experience that could put a little bug in our ears to keep an eye out for things besides, because I know you said being tired, but like you said, women are always tired. Right. Well, we're so busy. We don't realize we're tired. Well, I think we all need to, um, like I said, listen to our bodies. The American Heart Association, they have a lot of great information um, on their websites and different organizations out there like that, that you can read up on it and learn more about it. And, um, And again, listen to your body, have your checkups. But then I think the one thing I'd like to Um, leave all your listeners with is don't have regrets you know Mm -hmm. I almost died and I didn't do so many things that I wanted to do in my life and life is short sometimes we're not offered second chances yes and I say go for it do all those things that you put put off and just enjoy life every moment of it don't sweat the small stuff Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing part of your day with me. Thank you for having me. It's really sweet of you to to want to visit with me, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you for your time as well. Okay, so before you go, what about your website? What is the website? It's It's, um, www.sweetkakis.com. You can find um, out all of my retail locations on my website and a little bit about my story. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Sweet Khakis. And if you are not following me, please do. I love to um, interact with people online and I would love for you to follow Sweet Khakis and join in on the pile of. Yes, and Khakis is spelled K-A-K-I-S. 
Yes. It's kind of like khaki pants, but without that H. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, thank you so much, Caroline. Thank you. I hope you have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.